Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. Yes, we're still at it. I'm Matt Gale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. Hello, I'm Zach Paris. I've been on The Vinyl Preacher podcast as a host and co-host for, uh, Matt, are you ready for this? Exactly 200 episodes now. This is it. Congratulations, Matt. We did it. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, To celebrate our uh, 200th anniversary, we are just deucing out and screw you guys. Good luck. Good. Good thing we uh, planned something special. Great. Get off our backs, you guys. There's a pandemic on. Life's hard. You can't always. Up. We got a special guest coming on the podcast today. We'll do something this summer. We'll, we'll work on it. 213 is the one. You guys get ready. Big guest coming on. Wow. Incredible. Nadia, yeah, Nadia. could not be reached uh, for comment for the 200th episode. I don't know what. She's now back. At, we In the in the 100th episode, we talked to Nadia about how we should handle her podcasting. She is now a professional podcaster uh, and did not utilize our services. Wow. It's disappointing. I really thought we were about to make that happen. <laughs> Amazing. Where does so, the uh, the 200th episode of the podcast find you, Matt? Well, uh, as I'm recording this, we're still in Los Angeles, uh, which is a hot box. It's our apartment. Uh, if you don't know, our apartment's like a, a sauna. It just and it soaks up. It's like a greenhouse. It just soaks up the heat and it just captures it and it holds it right inside the house. And then you go outside, it's much cooler, but the house just soaks it up. Just soaks it up. So it's uh, probably the opposite of where you are <laughs> at the moment. If you're not <laughs> familiar outside. with Matt's house, you are invited to Matt's house where we're having the party to celebrate the 213th episode of the podcast. The invitations are in the mail. Indeed. Uh, next week, going to get in the car and drive not to North Carolina, but to Reno, Nevada. Ooh. Because I got to hit those casinos. I saw a documentary about Reno. I believe it's called Reno 911. If you haven't you've seen it, maybe this isn't the time to talk about it. It was a police procedural documentary. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it to get ready. You should. You should definitely watch it to get ready. Yeah, so a heads up, friends. Uh, given that it is the year 2020, and who knows what is going to happen in the next two weeks. We're recording this even further in advance than we normally record uh, episodes. Uh, so if the world has ended, you know, thanks for listening. We made it to 200, Darren. If something huge has happened, please offer us some small measure of, of grace. Incredible. Matt, what do you think has happened? Let's talk about that. Two-week projections. What has happened two weeks from now? Uh, well, I don't know. I know the, um, the president is planning to hold a rally. Uh, On Juneteenth uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, site of the Black Wall Street Massacre. So it's uh, it's clearly a time of I heard he's going to call it a unity rally. That seems like the I know some guys who could help him put together a good one of of his campaign. So, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I I don't know. I'm sure that could only go uh, go. well. Yeah, these are these are interesting days. Do you have a, uh, have you been prepping, prepping, have you been prepping the, uh, the, the road, the road trip playlist? No, I have not. I mean, we got to drive through central California, right? So I'll get my Dwight Yoakam and. Can you drive uh, through the Merle Haggard creamery? 
they open for pickup? Depends on what time we're... Well, Kern County probably has no public health regulations. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I love you, Kern County. That's true. (laughs) We'll see. Have to get the milk creamery and uh, what was the ice cream? The ice milk or something? Ah, uh, that's right, ice milk at Dewar's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sundries there in Bakersfield, California. You should check it out if you're ever in the Central Valley, mm-hmm. which you probably will never be. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah, so Bakersfield it's... not the biggest center of our listenership according to the metrics. Sad. It's, it's too bad. Hashtag sad. Yeah. I, I don't know what uh, I don't know what will happen. It's been interesting living through the first uh, part of June. I mean, I've been pastoring in South Central Los Angeles for a long time, doing some different kinds of anti-racist work where I can, and then everything blows up, uh, and it's it's everywhere. And you are, yeah, you're you you got to ride that wave of of the revelation, like we talked about on our podcast last week. It was a long time ago that we recorded that. Oh, who can remember uh, that far back? And all the, the revelations and the fact that, like, people keep posting the New York Times bestseller list and literally all 10 of the bestsellers are about race right now. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good thing. It's probably a really good that thing. That is probably a good thing. Uh, but we're we're all in this for the long haul. So my hope is that even at the end of June that we are somehow adjusting to a marathon pace and not a... You know, I man, know. I, I used to have thought that I was living, there was a time when I thought I was living in a time of great societal change. Mm. Uh, in 2008, I was living in a city called Chicago and to be on the ground right in Chicago when uh, all the things are happening that led to the eventual election of the first black president, uh, meeting with Jeremiah Wright, uh, yeah. hanging out with Father Flager, uh. felt like this is really big deal, like what's happening in like it felt very different, man. <laughs> yeah. Than this feels. Isn't, yeah. Isn't it nuts, like, how we completely... Like, it was still a huge moment in my lifetime, but the way I interpret what that moment meant is so <laughs> different, you know? Mm-hmm. Just insane. And I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, like, just it definitely feels like the narrative is... I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, this, this definitely feels... Um, it's the deeper work, I guess. We're digging everything up. Right, it feels much more ragged. Probably a good thing, I think, in the end, right? The work is oh. the moment is deeper. We hope. Well, Matt, hopefully, given the uh, the tenor of the times, which is in a minor key, uh, as uh, Woody Guthrie through. Oh gosh, what's his name? It wasn't Jeff Tweedy, but it was uh, Billy Bragg once saying way over yonder in the minor key uh, hopefully the texts are way over yonder from the minor key I'm sure they're uplifting uh, that they'll make us feel better about uh, the times that are being birthed in our presence right they gotta be yeah I hope so where are you gonna be still gonna be in North Carolina still in I mean I think so we don't have an exit strategy man stay through the 4th of July I guess we could Depends on how much hotter it gets. Um, I will uh, this week. Ha- I preached last week uh, at Grace Lutheran Church in Boulder, Colorado, from North Carolina. So I'm sure that went really well and changed people's lives and the world. Yeah. You know, I think I think history will look back and say there was the time before Zach preached on June 21st, and there was the time after. Uh, and yeah. thanks be to God, we live on the time on this on this side of 
of that fateful sermon delivered via Zoom. Yeah, you got a pretty busy preaching schedule then, huh? Yeah, one time. Had to do it. <laughs> Just the one time. <laughs> Just that one time. Had to do it. Real tough. Um, Would you say this is the best time of year to be in North Carolina? Oh, yeah. If you can come to North Carolina, well... So, like, if I went to the Wild Festival, July is just the best. It's going to be great. July to August is really the prime time to be here. Should be a festival. Should be a festival in July. A a very real story, Matt. I brought my fly fishing stuff with me to North Carolina uh, because fly fishing season is on in Colorado, uh, and I enjoy it. It's a thing I can do. I can't do other things. It's really uh, an enjoyable thing. And I got here and I called the local fly fishing shop to say, hey, I'm in town for a couple of weeks. Like, what? Where should I fish? And he said, uh, yeah, uh, our season is actually the opposite of yours. So it's it's done. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I haven't been doing in North Carolina. No fly fishing. Is using the fly fishing stuff I stuffed into the back of a Chevy Malibu and drove 1,600 miles. Check that out before you go. Love. That's the thing our friend Matt Holmes also learned about fishing, uh, except he went to Australia. This is a good time to tell that story. I don't know if we've ever told it on the podcast. Do you know that story? No. The Matt Holmes story? <laughs> He's full of good stories, though. He is a good story. Uh, I did CPE with the Reverend Matt Holmes, who continues to be a hospital chaplain, I think. Our house was chaplain. He's got great guests for it. Uh, but uh, Matt, of course, was a child acting star. Uh, he was friends with Elijah Woods, according to his mouth. Uh, and so he made a lot of money child acting. But then that all came crashing to an end because a dog bit him in the face and he had scars on his face. So he goes to college uh, on his child acting money at the University of Iowa. And uh, he's uh, watching TV one day and he's watching the Discovery Channel. And... Uh, uh, Deadliest Catch comes on. Uh, like the first version of Deadliest Catch. And Matt says, huh, that looks like fun. So he gets in his car that summer, drives up to Alaska, and starts fishing the Bering Sea. Uh, and he's got a lot of crazy stories about spending the summers in college fishing the Bering Sea. Uh, he's back in Iowa City. Graduation's approaching. He's almost out of money. Watching Discovery Channel again. And when you know it, there's a special that comes on TV about tuna wrangling in Australia. And so Matt cashes in, and he buys a one-way ticket from uh, O'Hare Airport to Sydney. He flies all the way down there, and uh, he's thinking, you know, he doesn't have a job lined up, but he's like, you know, I fished the Bering Sea. Surely I can talk my way into a boat. Uh, so he gets down there, he's walking around the docks, finally goes to starts chatting up this captain. He's like, so you looking for, for crew for this tuna season? And the captain says, uh, tuna season ended yesterday. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, penniless, without any job opportunities, is in Australia. And he does what anybody would do in that situation. He goes to the bar. And at that bar, he runs into a group of Australian carnival workers. And that is how Matt Holmes became an Australian carny. Uh... And for about a year, he works as a, car- a carny in Australia until he loses most of his finger, gets sent to the carny doctor, and then the carnies, who are really good people, uh, bought him a ticket back to the United States, and he enrolled into seminary at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. 
What? That's what he was doing before seminary? That's cool. That's my understanding, yes, man. I would love to have seen his entrance essay. Like, I, I, I would pay just... money right now <laughs> to see it. Just... It's incredible. Amazing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I also would have loved to see you hearing these stories for the first time. <laughs> CP, like... People talk about maybe some of our listeners. We get, you know, we do get listeners, Matt, who are involved in the seminary process. Uh, so perhaps we have some CPE uh, experiencing some folks experiencing CPE right now. Uh, and I want you to know, everybody talks about CPE and you like really like eighty-seven people died like in my arms kind of way, where it's really intense. Uh, that was not my experience, Matt. Uh, I was on CPE in a group with Matt Holmes and also John Vihar. Uh, and it was much more like a like Scrubs, like a sitcom, than it was like uh, <laughs> like ER. Uh, and mostly, what we did was listen to Matt tell insane stories, and we discovered secret passageways in the hospital that allowed us to get from the chaplain's room to the dining hall without going in front of our supervisor's office. Uh, so we did very little work, and I heard incredible stories uh, in Berwyn. McNeil Hospital. It's amazing. Yeah. That was a good summer. 2007, I think. I think that was, yeah. You were still yeah. in the city. Adam left. Yeah. He went to, like... That's right. He did, somewhere yeah. To do CP. Yeah. Glory days. Glory days. Passed by. Glory days. What... Glory days text are we looking at here? Oh, Matt, what a glorious tale. A tale of God's glory. God tested Abraham. Uh, he said to him, Abraham. I love that, right? Like, just like, it's almost like Hemingway-esque. Uh, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham should have said, God. But he doesn't. He says, here I am. And of course, as God does from time to time, we talked last week about the weenie roast we had when our children were weaned from their mothers. Surely we each remember the time in which God instructed us to take our sons, which neither of us have. Uh, take your only son, Isaac. And it's important to, to lift up here when we're in stories about the patriarchs, right? Abraham, incredible character, tons of stories, right? Like, he's really human lots of times and makes really interesting uh, read poor choices. Jacob, very dynamic character. He changes. He does this. He does that. Joseph goes to Egypt, becomes a bureaucrat, like all these things. Isaac is the lamest of all the patriarchs. He is nothing more than an object in every story where somebody is doing something to him. Uh, and it's definitely true here. Maybe that's why God says this. Take your son, your only son Isaac, who has no utility as an antagonist, as a protagonist, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. And so, I love this part as well. Abraham doesn't respond by saying, What? <laughs> Could you say that again? Uh, there are lots of things that if I were to receive this revelation, I would respond with. Abraham responds. He sets an alarm. <laughs> He's like, Got it. 4.35 a.m., we're doing this. <laughs> Saddles his donkey and took two other young men with him because he thought to himself, I don't need to respond or bargain or see if 
this is really what God wants me to do. But I could use two people to witness against me in a court of law. Real bad at crime. Uh, he, he takes two people with him and his son Isaac, and he cut up burnt offering uh, wood for the burnt offering. And he set out and went to that place in the distance that God had showed him. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place far away. And then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there, and we will worship, and we will come back to you. He lied. <laughs> Abraham took the wood, laid it on his son, made him carry his own. Is this foreshadowing the cross? Uh, made him carry his own funeral pyre with him. Uh, made him carry the, both the fire and the knife. Again, real bad at crime. When you're about to commit a murder, don't give your victim the knife and the method, the means for uh, getting rid of the body. He said, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Uh, and Abraham said, God will provide a lamb for my burnt offering, son. And then, this is a nice poetic line. So the two of them walked on together, the victim and the perpetrator. When they came to the place that God had showed him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And then he just bound his son Isaac, who was totally cool with it, and was like, what are you... He didn't also did not say, what are you doing, Dad? And just laid him on the altar. Isaac is essentially like one of those, like like a full body pillow. That's all he is. Is uh, <laughs> You can bend him up, you can bind him, throw him on a fire, whatever you want to do. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. Again, his son did not say here, what are you doing, Dad, taking a knife to kill me? Instead, he gets interrupted by the angel of the Lord who called and said, Abraham, Abraham, what the hell are you doing? And again, Abraham said, here I am, about to kill my son, just like you said. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it and killed it instead as a burnt offering instead of a son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed in the Torah, Matt, obviously. What a story. Yeah, it is. So you said uh, Abraham doesn't, like, try to bargain or, or argue with God. And that made me think for the first time that isn't it Abraham that tries to bargain with God over Sodom, right? Where he's like, yeah, you would think <laughs> this is the great bargainer. Mm -hmm. This is the one who tries to bargain with God, but when it comes to his own son, he's like, all right. Okay, I guess I do this. I never liked him anyway. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Sarah also uh, absent from this story. Yeah. Although I believe she dies when they come back. Like, as soon as they come back, like, she's... Mm -hmm. She's eight trillion awesome. years old, I believe, at this time. Yeah. This is also a visual story, right? It is a visual story. I mean, you talked about foreshadowing. It's so much foreshadowing that it is literally one of the 12 stories. Mm -hmm. One of the 12 stories that Clark read in front of his fire. Ugh. Maybe, I can't remember. And pool. I don't, I don't, it was so much. <laughs> so Matt, here, I'm sure I've done it on the podcast before, here is my sacrifice, sacrifice of Isaac. Hot tickety-take. The only way this story makes sense to me uh, is through the lens of uh, depression. Uh, because mm. when I um, have been at the very bottom of depression anxiety, the issue is that I'm very certain of things. Uh, that's the problem. Like, I know that if I do these things, this will fix everything. Um, 
But it turns out I'm very often uh, should not be certain of things. Uh, the things I think I'm certain of are not true. Um, and so for Abraham to hear very clearly this call that is antithetical to everything, to most of the things that we know about God, and to immediately follow through on it, um, again, sets up God in a way I suggested last week as perhaps this is not the voice of God. And that the, the good news in this for me is, in this is a piece of how this story has been redeemed for me, is in terms of the, the substance of the story, that clarity comes to Abraham only in relationship to the rest of the world, to the earth, to the dirt, uh, because it is only when he is connected to that thicket that he sees the ram, that he understands more clearly what it is God is calling him to do. And the good news in all of that is that was available to Abraham always. The earth was always there. It is a source of, of grounding and reorientation that is always made available to us. That is made. Uh, it is the way that God over and over again makes God's self known to us, whether through hit the vigil stories, the fires of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, taking your shoes off to walk on the dirt, the burning bush, the flood waters, the, the waters of the, the Red Sea being parted. It is through these very elemental forces uh, where clarity is only in connection in, re- in relationship with those elemental forces that, that God's will is made clear to us. Amen. I like it. There's no easy uh, way into this, but I think, yeah. I think that's the way to go. I can't remember the Kierkegaard. Is it fear and trembling that deals with this? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I did not bring my Kierkegaard library with me on the, the trip I brought fly fishing gear. You did not? You didn't do it? No, didn't do it. There you go. Matt, uh, let's all sit back. This is one of those Sundays you want to tell everybody to sit down because we got a long gospel to get through. Two verses, three verses? I think it's three. I think it's three. Jesus said to the twelve, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, surely I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Cup of cold water not resonating with you right now, right? Matt, I hmm, I do have questions about cold water here, which it is in the text. It's cold water. Uh, it says even a cup of cold water. My expectation is in the ancient Near East, cold water would be hard to come by given that it's in the, like the desert and hot and they don't have like snow melt or any ice or anything. Even a cup of cold water. I'll take a cup of cold water. I've been to the Dead Sea. It's hot, man. That water's hot. Give me the cold stuff. You can't just, uh, you don't think they just took some ice out of the freezer? I guess they could have done that. You're right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> what do you think? Why Why do the lectionary uh, writers who include 30 to 40 verses at a time in the midst of Lent have three verses here at the end of June? Matt, they're just messing with us, man. They're listening to the podcast, and they're like, hey, these guys like stories. Watch this. We're going to go 
eight weeks without a story. Um, I don't know, Matt. I mean, I think the only really kind of interesting thing I have for you here is that welcome could also be re- translated as receive. Uh, and, and I'm harking, I makes me think of a story that uh, somebody in our preaching, whoops, somebody in our preaching class shared uh, that I still think about. And it's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I don't know how, uh, Charles Featherstone. Uh, I don't know if you call, I recall, vividly remember like the first sermon he preached in, uh, in preaching lab. Uh, it was one I vividly remember because Charles could be a very powerful speaker of words and had a powerful presence about him and did not do much lightly. Um, but it was all about the importance of receiving hospitality, how important it is to not just give hospitality, but to receive it. Uh, and he talked especially about, uh, he told a story about being, Charles is a crazy story. I mean, if we tell Matt Holmes stories, one day we'll have to tell Charles Featherstone stories. Uh, before coming to seminary, he was like a journalist in, uh, in the Arab world. Uh, and he talked about being in the Middle East and someone like castigating him because he would not, he refused to take like a food offering from someone uh, because he felt like, I don't need this. Uh, but the person was like, no, no, you're denying them the ability to like offer hospitality and that's insulting to them. Uh, it is your job to receive the hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, so I think there is a, a way that, that I could tie that into what's going on in Genesis here. Um, that Abraham, the, the certainty that Abraham has, uh, I could also criticize is, is, a, is a closed offness. You need to be open to receive the thing that God has already given you to be open. How did you not see the ram in the thicket already? when you're setting up there, right? Like, I don't, I don't believe that it magically showed up, right? I think it was always there, but that Abraham was, was closed off to us. Um, and so this news of welcome is not, not just, right, the, the need to be welcoming to people, um, but to be open to receiving what is already... I mean, it leans into the whole, like, uh, there's, uh, there is enough already uh, kind of a deal. Amen. Yeah. You could also play with yeah. and trying to tease out what exactly is a prophet's reward. That doesn't sound like something I want, to be honest with you. No. Yeah, right. It's yeah. not a new car. Yeah, it doesn't seem good. <laughs> it's doesn't a Christmas bonus. Seem, doesn't seem good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'd pitch that in the midst of this time of revealing as receiving the things that are being spoken receiving mm-hmm. that as an act of as an offer like that that's the offering and that for some of us what we have to do is receive that uh i don't know maybe that's a way in i like it maybe that's a way in if you want to be timely i think it could work uh, and if way. i was gonna go with an image like man it is true i laugh about the cup of cold water but i think that uh it's a striking image. And if you thought of the cup of cold water uh, on a hot day, that's what the gospel feels like. That's an image you could work with. Most, I, I would think most congregations could tap into that one. It's a pretty universal feeling. Then do something interesting with it, preacher. I'm not going to tell you what that interesting thing is, but you can do it. Because <laughs> we're on vacation. 
<laughs> but we carry on. We give you we give you an award winning podcast even when neither of us is is preaching. We're are you preaching this week, Matt? You're not preaching this week, are you? Yeah, probably. Oh, well, twenty eight. Yeah. Great job with vacation, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to. Uh, it's harder than ever to take time off because I'm the only one that knows how to work all the Zoom stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But I can do it from anywhere, so why not just keep working? It's easier for me to do it than to find someone else to do it. It's a terrible excuse. Terrible, but true. I understand. Uh, what are you going to be listening to while you work during vacation? Uh, do you know what else uh, I started doing? This fits with the first You got an album? album but I also decided I was going to start listening to The Roots, uh, who I realized... I've not put out an album since like, uh, and then you shoot your cousin, which was back in like 25. That's insane. Why don't they put out some music? They play every night with Jimmy Fallon. I don't understand. Come on, Questlove. He was just on Sesame Street the other day. Let's, let's go. Should have been writing. Uh, but their first uh, album is Do You Want More? Question mark, three exclamation points, two question marks, and another exclamation point. Uh, it's called Do You Want More? Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm just doing albums right now. <laughs> that's what I'm doing this summer. And that's the first album uh, from The Roots. So you have The Roots uh, of the scriptures here in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. First album uh, from The Roots. So there you go. Matt, I really wanted to put this song on the playlist this week, uh, but I'm not. Uh, is that Nas's first album, Illmatic? I found the Rolling Stones list of the 100 best debut albums, and Illmatic was pretty high up there. And so I was like, oh, I wonder what Nas has got. The first track is called The Genesis, uh, <laughs> which should fit, but it's not like a good track. Like, it's <laughs> like it's people talking, and it's not like a, it's yeah. not a song, you know. Right. Uh, so instead, Matt, I ended up, we actually stumbled into listening to a lot of the Velvet Underground on the way across the country. Uh, oh. who, again, have an incredible debut album, the Banana Album. And I'm going to put uh, Femme Fatale on there because uh, it's loosely about uh, uh, S&M stuff and we got the binding of Isaac. Uh, it all <laughs> fits together this week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, another killer, killer, and I get to do it because this is the 200th episode. Uh, debut album was R.E.M.'s Murmur. It came out in 1983 when I was born, uh, and and one of the best tracks on it is "Talk About the Passion," which I can play on guitar. One of the R.E.M. songs I can play on guitar, and uh, it fits, I think, the the sacrifice of Isaac because it's it's this nice deadpan take on passionate stuff. Uh, yeah. Talk about the passion, uh, and the cover art is really cool. It's got this like dormant dead kudzu all over some stuff uh, that fits some. The cruciform uh, vibe, man. Yeah. And finally, yeah. Matt, debut album, 2003, called Dangerously in Love, Matt, uh, which fits. What what could be more dangerous than sacrificing your own child without any reservations? Uh, Beyonce, crazy in love, because goodness gracious, Abraham, you got to get on some antidepressants. It is... Dangerous, indeed. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. We got to do something uh, for now that we're in the 200s. It won't be the 200th episode. In the year 200s. <laughs> but it will be. Uh, yeah, we should do something. 
Great idea. <laughs> Who should we get, listeners? Who should be Let the guest? Let us know. Ben Adams we finally have, makes his we, appearance. We had Nadia. Who, who could top Nadia? I mean, you could say Tim Brown, but I don't know if we can get on his schedule. No, he's I, too busy. He's too busy. Yeah. Might be tough. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, Matt, it's been uh, 200 episodes. We've kept doing it. I suppose we'll keep doing it. Unlike the Morning Watch. The Bicentennial. The Bicentennial. It's 1776. Here's what we're going to do, listeners. For the next 100 episodes, which is just under two years, every song will have been released in 1976. I'm going to look that up and see what actually came out in 76. Or we could move it, you know? Eventually we're going to pass ourselves, I guess. But, you know, so 201 yeah. would be 77. 202 would be 78. And so on and so forth. Uh, I could do the math and figure out. Two, 250 would be in the future. But music from the future is probably pretty good. Music from the future. Well, it's been real. Real 200.